0: Welcome to those of you joining us online and to all of you here, happy 4th of July weekend. It is great to celebrate in the Lord's house together with God's people. Uh, We are in week 5 of our summer series we're calling Summer Slump. And there's a tagline in there, it says, how not to waste your life. And when we kicked this series off, we talked about how summer is kind of the, if there's a season that's fun and invigorating and rejuvenating, it's the summer. But the summer also spiritually has kind of a dark side to it. It can be spiritually counterproductive because we're focusing on these other things and we we kind of lose focus on our relationship with God. You know, if you're not careful, summer can be a time when we actually drift into a spiritual slump. So, how do we prevent a summer slump from happening? Well, Paul gave us a key to preventing it in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 16. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. It means to allow the Holy Spirit to guide how you live your life. Allow him to influence how you live your life. A great way to do this is to join the Holy Spirit in producing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the anchor verse for this whole series is found in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 22 and 23, and he says, Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, that.'" could be translated patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. A key way to countering a spiritual slump is to join the Holy Spirit in producing the fruit of the Spirit. This list that Paul gives us describes what a Christian should expect to see flowing out of their life when they let the Holy Spirit lead them. And I don't know if you caught this, but you should notice that when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't use the plural rendering here, he uses the singular. And that's helpful for us to understand because what's meant here is to, it's, it's implying there's a single fruit. I think I hear people say fruits of the Spirit a lot of the time, but this is not a list of nine separate fruits. This is one fruit with nine different characteristics that's produced by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, when we live our lives coupled with him, immersed in him, we should expect to see all of these characteristics showing up together as we give the Holy Spirit control. And this is a great way to avoid a spiritual slump. Over the course of this series, we've been examining the fruit of the Spirit and ways in which you and I can join him in sharing that fruit, allowing it to flow out of our lives. So far, we have examined love, joy, peace, patience, and today, as Micah said, we're going to look at kindness. You might be saying, well, what, what could you say about kindness? Well, I found there's a lot that could be said about it. In fact... We find it kind of kind of exposed or it's contrasted to the world in Ephesians, the, fifth, the fourth chapter, excuse me, verse 31 and 32. He says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And then he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. We make a contrast to the way that sometimes the world lives. In fact, sometimes we live that way. Bitter, raging, angry, brawling, slandering. Every form of malice, he says. But then he contrasts that and he starts by saying, but be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you and me. How important is kindness? There was a study done, 37 different cultures around the world, they interviewed 16,000 people and they asked the question, what is the most important or most desired trait That you look for in a mate. And both men and women alike agreed the number one trait was kindness. The word kind is defined as having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. The kindness of the Holy Spirit is to be shared with other people. The Spirit produces kindness, but it's only kindness after it's shared with another person. If we keep it in here, we really haven't exhibited kindness. And kindness can be shared with anyone. And here's the bottom line for this message, bottom line. Be kind to all kinds of people. Be kind to all kinds of people. In the spirit, you can be kind to anyone. In fact, in the spirit, you can be kind to everyone. So I wanna take just a minute and explore a little bit deeper what it means to be kind. Just using the definition. First of all, kindness is friendly. Don't you think about that for a second? When you show kindness, people find you warm-hearted and pleasant. They're attracted to that. This quality is attractional because people like people who are kind, as opposed to the alternative, right? Kindness is generous. When you show kindness, people find you ready to give more of your time, your resources, and even of yourself. Many of you know that when you're going to be kind, you have to be generous. You have to. In fact, you're going to have to give more than is generally expected of you. Many of you have done that around here. You have been so kind to Northeast by your generosity, your offerings, your tithes, your gifts, which mean an awful lot uh, during this season uh, with our economy being as challenging as it is. Our giving has slowed down, and because of your generosity, we're continuing forward. But we can use all the help we can get Being kind will usually cost you something. Kindness is generous. Kindness is also considerate. When you show kindness, you're careful not to hurt another person or inconvenience them. Your tendency is to have an awareness and concern for another person's feelings and their circumstances. Kindness is friendly. It's generous. It's considerate. Kindness, may, kindness may, be, seem, may be simple, but it's not always easy. Does that make sense? But in the Spirit, you can be kind to anyone, even those who are challenging or even those who are offensive. The Holy Spirit is the producer of kindness, Paul tells us. He produces it in our lives because of his presence there. But also we see in scripture that both God the Father and Jesus the Son demonstrated kindness. First we see the Father demonstrating kindness this way. God acted with kindness. We find this in Titus, the third chapter. In this passage we find that God showed us kindness... Through a plan that he put into motion that would allow us to be saved. That would wash away our sins. Look what I'm talking about in Titus, the third chapter, starting with verse three, he says this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things, Paul says, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. In verse three, Paul explains the mess that the world was in. And then in verse four he says, but when the kindness and the love of God our father, our savior, excuse me, appeared, he saved us. Paul's point is that when the kindness and love of God showed up, so did salvation. God set into motion a plan to save us and it all started with his kindness that was directed at you and me. And then as Paul concludes this section in Titus, he wants his readers to take this very seriously. Paul's statement in verse eight emphasizes the importance of the saving work of God through Jesus. This kindness from God, he says, is reliable. And Paul stresses to the Christians living on the Isle of Crete that because of it, this kindness, they should live devoted to doing what is good. The Christian life can have a profound impact on other people who don't know Jesus yet, and that's why it matters that the disciples of Jesus live this way. Focused on doing what is good, God modeled for us to plan, to act with kindness, So, we should be kind to all kinds of people, and we should plan to be kind to all kinds of people. God acted with kindness, but secondly, we see Jesus reacted with kindness. There's a story in Luke, the 18th chapter, and in this passage, we find that even Jesus, as important as he was, was not above being interrupted. And when he was, he reacted with kindness. Let me tell you the story. Jesus was approaching Jericho, it's a rather large city, and on the outskirts of the city was a blind man who was begging. And he heard the commotion of this famous rabbi approaching the city, and he asked, who is this? And they said, this is Jesus of Nazareth. And all of a sudden, this blind man starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people who were kind of the leading edge of Jesus' group said, hey, quiet down. Like, quit bugging the, the rabbi. And all that did was, it didn't quiet him down, it just amped him up. He starts yelling even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And apparently Jesus heard him. Because Luke tells us that he stopped. And then he said, it says he ordered the man to be brought to him. And then Jesus asked this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And his response was very clear. He said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus responded, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And then Luke tells us immediately his sight was restored. And it says that when the people saw it, they praised God. The blind man praised God, obviously. But the people around celebrated as well. Jesus reacted with kindness. There are three things in this story that we find Jesus doing as a result of this this opportunity to show kindness to this blind man. The first is this. Jesus was willing to be interrupted. I don't know about you, but if I'm in a zone or a groove, I don't like being bothered. Now, I like people much better than I like being alone. So occasionally, if I've been in the zone for a couple hours, I'm ready to engage, so interrupt me. But if I'm just now getting rolling, don't bug me. You're like that? I'm just being honest. Some of you are going, I don't like to be bothered ever by people. I'm an introvert. Leave me alone forever, right? Jesus was busy. He was as busy as most rabbis were in that day. But we find him frequently being interrupted like this. I mean, he's got something to do in Jericho. But this loud, <laughs> taking no answer but yes kind of blind man got his attention. There's, this isn't the only instance in Scripture. Scripture is jam-packed of Jesus having his uh, plans disrupted. There was an instance in Luke, I think it's the 13th chapter, where Jesus is preaching in the synagogue, right in the middle of his sermon, he stops to heal a woman who has been bent over. It says she was crippled by an evil spirit for 18 years, and he stops his sermon so he can heal this woman. What's amazing about Jesus is he's rarely too busy for people, especially people with needs. Well, the second thing we see Jesus doing to show kindness to this blind man was he was able, he was available to help him. In the first century, the blind, those with other disabilities and illnesses like leprosy, they were outcasts in society. They were kept quarantined outside of the city limits. They lived in poverty and they often resorted to to begging from people who passed by. That's why initially the men leading Jesus' entourage told the blind man to be quiet. Most likely they thought his only purpose was to try to beg from the rabbi. And most rabbis would not have bothered with the sick or the disabled, but Jesus wasn't like most rabbis. Hallelujah. So he says to him, He says, What do you want me to do for you? Verse 41. Which brings us to the third thing that Jesus did for this blind man to show kindness to him. Jesus willingly fixed the problem. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight. Jesus healed this man, but he wasn't the only one. Jesus was not only regularly interrupted, but he is regularly healing people who were broken, people with illness, people who were struggling, people who were on the outskirts of culture. Jesus has miraculous power to heal, and the Bible lists over 20 instances of healing that Jesus performed. He was able, but he was also willing to fix problems. Ultimately, he would go to the cross to fix the biggest problem of all, sin. Jesus reacted with kindness, even towards people like this blind man in Jericho, who most in that day would have ignored. Jesus made him as important as anything else that he would do that day. That's kindness. That's a great example for us to be kind to all kinds of people. Now, maybe you're not very, a very kind person yet. I mean, if you were real honest, you'd go, yeah, I'm not kind of selfish. I like my stuff. I don't like being interrupted. Not that kind. But keep in mind that just like physical fruit needs time to grow and to mature, the fruit of the Spirit will not ripen immediately overnight. As we mature in our faith, the characteristics of our spiritual fruit will also grow and mature. Also remember, kindness requires action. Truly kind people will actively look for opportunities to show kindness to engage themselves, whether it's paying for the coffee of the person in the drive-thru behind them or it's writing a, a note of encouragement to a good friend, kindness is going to require action. And along the same line, kindness, kind actions will often be accompanied by kind words, words of encouragement, comfort, politeness, compliments. And these words can be heartwarming acts of kindness all by themselves. There's an old saying that's, that rings so true with regard to this, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. What are your words like? Honey? Or vinegar? Our words can communicate kindness coupled with action. They can change a Life. So if we're going to be kind to all kinds of people, then who are these people? Who are the people we can be kind to? Well, I came up with a list of five. There's probably more, but let me share with you my list rather quickly. The first is be kind to people you love. These are usually the easiest people to show kindness to because you know what blesses them. So be kind, if you will, to your kind. Be kind to your kind. Be kind to your family, to your friends, the people who are closest to you. How do you show kindness to them? Do something that blesses them. Go the extra mile. Something that's gonna bless them deep down. Tell them that you love them. Not as a salutation, but as a, a point of information. I love you. And make sure they hear you and see it. Write an encouraging note to them. It doesn't have to be long. It could be strategic. Maybe you stick it in their lunch or on the dash of their car or on the, on the mirror where they put their makeup on in the morning. Do something that blesses them. Secondly, be kind to people you know. These are people who are in your orbit. If you take those who you love and you just expand out the, the circle a little bit, that's the people I'm talking about. They're not in your inner circle, but they regularly are part of your life. You have contact with them. You aren't particularly close to them, but you regularly interact with them. It might be a neighbor. It might be the the girl who sells you coffee at Starbucks, or, or it might be someone who works in another department in your office. How do you show kindness to them? Look for ways to serve them. It might be as simple as holding a door open and wishing them that they have a good day. Pay them a compliment. Don't be, don't be placating, but really mean it. Maybe you pick up lunch or you share an encouraging word. Find a way to serve them. Number three, be kind to people in need of help. These are people you don't really know usually, but you stop to help change a tire or push a car that's stalled in the middle of an intersection. You happen to be at the right place at the right time. It's kindness you show to a complete stranger oftentimes who you see struggling, and so you stop and you help. How do you apply kindness in this situation? When you see a need, you do something to help meet the need. You too are willing to be interrupted. Maybe you see somebody struggling to pay a For their tab, so you pick up their meal. Or you help an elderly person who's having difficulty getting the groceries from the cart into their trunk of their car. Kindness sees a need and then helps. Number four be kind to people who disagree with you. You went from preaching to meddling, okay? Here we go. These are people who are different than you, ideologically. Maybe politically they're different. Maybe their worldview is different. They probably, if you watch Fox News, they watch CNN or vice versa. You know what I'm talking about. They're different than you. And to be honest with you, they oftentimes irritate you. But I just want you to know, you irritate them too, okay? I have it on good authority that some of you do. A current example of this hit the fan a week ago Friday when the Supreme Court rendered their ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. Our world, thank you, thank you. Our world has been churning and roiling over this since the draft was leaked about a month earlier. And all of this is because the issue of abortion is one of the most politically polarizing issues in our day. Now, in full disclosure, at Northeast, we support a culture of life. From the beginning all the way to the end. We don't just focus on a baby, we're focused on a mom and a dad and an entire family who find themselves dealing with a crisis pregnancy. We have have tried to be a church that lives out this commitment to be people of life being the hands and feet of Jesus through various outreaches and ministries. And one of our ministries that is very important to us here at Northeast and is close to the Wilkinson family is Assurance for Life. This is an amazing organization that supports moms and dads and babies, entire families, and these are families right here in central Kentucky. It's one thing to say you're pro-life, it's another thing to provide an alternative to abortion, and we have found a great partner in assurance. and I'm very proud of that partnership. We've been involved with the pro-life movement for a long time, but I have friends who disagree with me on this issue, and a few of them actually go to this church they're still my friends. When something happens like what the Supreme Court uh, brought down, the Supreme Court ruling, how should you and I react? I know that in this room there are some who were upset by that ruling and others were extremely happy. And when something polarizing happens, how should you and I respond? If we're going to be kind to all kinds of people, it's easy to be kind to people who love you. But I want you to know, I think we should be kind to people who disagree with us, too. We will never solve any of Lexington's problems, let alone the world's problems, by arguing and hating one another. Agree? Uh, right. As a church, our mission is to make disciples. And it's important to note that no one was ever argued into the kingdom of God. Now, Ann and I have a saying that we use and when we coach one another. And when I say when we coach one another, usually when she's coaching me. And that saying is one that we use when we're going to have one of those encounters that the person doesn't always agree with me. And that saying is a simple one. It's, remember, don't be a jerk. We're deep at our house. (laughs) You know that people who irritate you may have the launch codes that will set you off. So it's important for somebody to remind you, don't be a jerk. Decide in advance how you'll respond. One of the best ways to neutralize the urge to retaliate is to be kind. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's effective. So decide to use words that are friendly and generous and considerate and not offensive. Be kind when posting on your social media platforms. Think of it this way. What if you win the argument, but because you were offensive, you lose the opportunity to point this individual towards Jesus? Did you really win? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, darkness cannot put out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Great insight. So how do you and I reply with kindness when someone isn't kind to us? Start by having a conversation. If they're open to it, have a conversation. Meet for lunch or coffee someplace disarming. Maybe it's around the fire pit in the backyard. And start by talking about things that you have in common. You know, one of the things that I've found is that most of us have about 80 to 85% of our lives we share in common. It's just the, those margins where we disagree. So things like your kids or your grandkids, maybe you have hobbies that you like to share about or travel that you've made, or maybe the only thing you have in common are the Kentucky Wildcats. Spend some time talking about things you have in common. Use kind words that build up compliment and encourage. As important as it is to use kind words, it's equally important to listen well. I think listening is a lost art. Listening communicates that you're interested in what they have to say and that that can help to build trust with that person. Invite them to share their story and then listen well. Even ask questions. It may take a few of these conversations to begin building or even build significantly this bridge, but once it's built, you can start to discuss the issues that you disagree on with civility because they know you care about them. You don't just hate them because they believe something differently than you. And who knows? You have disagreements, but you have conversations about them, you might even find some common ground. Or maybe you can agree that even though you disagree on this issue, you're still gonna love each other because we're better together that way. Number five, be kind to people anonymously. This kindness is intentional, though. It may be spontaneous. This is kindness that you decide to share in advance. It's something that you prepare for, but it will only be deployed when you see the right opportunity. This kindness is often called random acts of kindness. And how do you do this? Well, the most common random acts of kindness happen in drive-throughs where you're buying the coffee or the meal of the person behind you or You buy the groceries of someone who you feel like could use a boost in the checkout line. But it doesn't have to be that significant. It can be something as simple as deciding that today you're going to smile at 100 people. Not like uh, Sheldon on the Big Bang, okay? I mean a real smile, right? Right? Or maybe it's you're gonna pay a compliment to everyone who helps you or everyone who serves you during that day. Here's the thing though, regardless of how you show the kindness, you don't explain it. You just show it and then you leave because it's anonymous. So show the kindness and then go. Now if you're forced to explain, they say you got it, why are you doing this? Just tell them that Jesus wanted to bless them and then leave. There are all kinds of people who will benefit from the kindness that the Holy Spirit has in you. So look for the opportunities to be kind to all kinds of people. This will help to neutralize the possibility of having a summer slump. And you might actually bless some people in the process. Let me close with this. There is a hymn, a lot of hymns in the hymn book. Uh, if you're not sure what a hymn book is, you should Google that, those of you younger. But there is a hymn. Most hymns are really old, but this one's not all that old. It's only about 70-some years old. It's called 10,000 Angels. Some of you will remember this. The focus of the hymn was Jesus' crucifixion. And the chorus said this. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. The writer Ray Overholt said that the idea for this hymn actually came from a verse in Matthew, the 26th chapter, verse 53, where Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, Put away your sword. You Remember, they come to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls his sword out, and he hacks off the ear of the the servant. His name was Malchus, the, the high priest. He cuts his ear. Jesus says, put your sword away. And then Jesus says this, do you think I cannot call my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Now, throughout history, the number in a legion... Was has varied, but it's roughly about six thousand soldiers. So in Jesus' case, he's saying I could have had seventy-two thousand angels. All I had to do was call on my father, and I could have had that. Now, from what I know about angels and their power versus you know what human power consists of, seventy-two thousand would be significant overkill, right? It would only have only taken a few uh, angels, maybe one, two, or three, who could have set Jesus free from the cross. Jesus could have reacted by calling down the fire from heaven. But instead, he showed the world, he showed you, and he showed me kindness by continuing to carry out the plan that his father had set into motion. It was through his death that our sins can be washed away. Yeah, Jesus could have called down fury from heaven and won the argument, but instead he became the sacrifice for our sins. That was the ultimate act of kindness shown to all peoples. So, like Jesus, how about you and I this week look for ways to be kind to all kinds of people. Let's pray together. Lord, you are uh, the greatest of the great, and yet you saw fit to show kindness to us. You set into motion a plan that would save us. Lord, it cost Jesus a lot in order for that plan to come to its full fruition. Lord, we just want to say we are grateful for all you have done to save us. Holy Spirit, help us to be people like that. People who see people we can share kindness with. Help us to be people who act with kindness and people who react with kindness. Help us to plan to be kind, but also when opportunities present themselves to react with kindness. Lord, help us to be kind to all kinds of people, even people who we disagree with. Lord, I pray your blessing on this body, that we would be people who are kind. Lord, I pray especially for those today who have not yet said yes to following Jesus, to have their sins washed away, and the the Holy Spirit to dwell within them and to begin producing the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that Something said today, something that has been going on, a thought that they've been wrestling with will lead them to say yes to the salvation that Jesus offers. God, we are grateful. We know you're patient. Lord, I pray today would be this day of salvation for someone. God, thank you for loving us far beyond what we are worthy of or what we deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name.